This is Wednesday night Bible study here at the Pine Little Pentecost Church, Church, November the 2nd, 2022, with our C Director, Everett McFerry, bringing the message today, the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, let's, uh, be, before we, we even read our scriptures tonight, I would like to, let's do a, a review uh, first of uh, um, our last Bible study, which has been, geez, I think, maybe two or three weeks ago now. Um, we studied uh, the last part of chapter 19, uh, what I titled the burial, and uh, two gentlemen stepped up named Joseph and Nicodemus stepped up and uh, uh, buried uh, uh, Jesus and uh, some of the things that were important that, uh, you know, we didn't know much about neither one of those gentlemen, as I mentioned last uh, Bible study, uh, but both of them were members of the Sanhedrin court, which just you know, voted to crucify Jesus. Uh, uh, they both, uh, I mentioned, uh, believed in Jesus to uh, certain degrees. We were told in uh, John that Joseph was a disciple, but he kept it secret. And Mark also said that Joseph was a prominent and uh, a respected member of the Sanhedrin court. Uh, just, you know, and, and Joseph was, uh, uh, had, um, um, mentioned that he was waiting for the kingdom of God. So he, he, he was, I, th I do believe Joseph uh, was a uh, disciple and believed in Jesus who he was, but Nicodemus was a little bit li uh, uh, different. You know, I mentioned that in John that the reason um, um, maybe Joseph was, uh, um, uh, uh, um, you know, silent about his uh, knowing Jesus and, and accepting Jesus was that he was scared of what they do. Uh, you know, back then I told you there were certain things that they would do to people that um, would support Jesus or follow Jesus. Uh, if you were outspoken about it, they was actually fear in their hearts and they would take away certain rights and they would persecute them and even maybe stone them. So they had to be careful in what they did. So we can, we can understand from a human standpoint how some of these folks were uh, secretive about it. Uh, Mark 14 and 16 recorded that the vote to convict Jesus was 100%, was unanimous. So that told us that maybe Joseph, being a member of the Sanhedrin, uh, may, uh, wasn't there uh, at the vote. And then I made a couple comments about the reason he wasn't there is maybe they didn't invite him because they knew it. Or maybe he just decided not to go because he knew what they were going. But it was really early in the morning. We don't know why. But he was not there, is according to Mark. I mean Luke. According to Luke, he was not there, because um, he had uh, been outspoken that he did not agree with their crucifixion of Jesus. So, I, I did mention a few moments about how uh, Joseph here at the end in burying, going to Pilate and asking about burying him. I believe that Joseph was standing up for him. There comes a time in our life, I believe, and even in the future, even more, when we as Christians are going to have to stand up. For what we believe is right. Uh, but uh, Luke tells us that uh, Joseph um, attained from the governor, uh, Pilate, to uh, bury uh, uh, Jesus. And it was in his own personal tomb that he had cut out, which uh, also implies that he was pretty wealthy and had money. So, But when we think about Nicodemus, I think uh, he knew Jesus. And I actually think he cared for Jesus. 
Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, his actions said he did care about Jesus being there. In fact, he carried all the spices. Uh, as I mentioned, it was like 100 pounds worth of spices, the Bible tells us. And when we think about the story about Nicodemus going that night uh, to see Jesus, uh, he was kind of being really um, uh, hidden and quiet about it, but he went to see Jesus. But according to the scriptures, he did not ex accept the new birth that night. Nicodemus not, didn't. And some of the things that I mentioned about Nicodemus is he, it's like people today. Uh, it's not by works and what you do and, and how you do it and going to church and all those kinds of things. It's, all those things are not going to get you into heaven. It's actually how we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Um, uh, I do want to say that, uh, I did say at the end last time that uh, about Nicodemus, uh, a little bit on my heart, was that after the resurrection, uh, when you look at Acts 6 and 7, it tells us that the Word of God increased. This is when Jesus came back. And the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a, um, a great company of priests uh, were obedient to the faith. So in that I'm just praying and hoping that Nicodemus was one of them. And I, I really, true, since he already was aware who Jesus was and, and what was going on, I really believe he probably accepted him as his personal Savior after he came back. So it's possible that he did. Um, uh, the garden uh, that he was buried in, uh, you know, Joseph and Nicodemus wrapped him in the linen and put the spices on him and then buried him. And also there was one other witness to the burial, at least one other, and Matthew 27 to 61 tells us that Mary Magdalene and a friend Mary was there uh, uh, as a witness. Uh, I'm sure the hearts were very heavy and they were very sad. So, uh, uh, and then also, uh, the, I brought up again prophecy all through um, this uh, cross to crucifixion, everything about it was all prophesied in, in, in actually several different areas in Psalms and Isaiah and, and uh, other places. And the one I read last time was about Isaiah 53 and 9. He said the Messiah would be assigned to a grave with the wicked and with the rich in death, uh, although he had done no violence or none. So he was buried along right side by side with them there. And, um, you know, he never did anything to deserve it, but it was all fulfillment of the prophecy and it was all what he stood for in dying for us. So, leading into the resurrection, let me read first scriptures. Uh, I'm, I've decided to read one through 10. I do not believe I'll get through all 10 tonight. I'll probably only get through a couple of verses um, because I want to uh, preference the uh, resurrection with some information and then we'll start in one and maybe two and then we'll see how far it goes. But let's read one through 10 because it helps us understand what happened that morning from, and remember this, this is from John's perspective. I am going to recommend to you that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that you read uh, their last couple uh, chapters or, or next to the last chapter or cha last chapter. I'll give you those chapter numbers at the end. Read what they write about that morning, uh, that resurrection morning because it, they each give you more information and a little bit different perspective, but all the same meaning that absolutely he was, uh, he is, he was at this time missing from the tomb. And then we, we'll go on and talk about that a little bit later as we go forward. But let's read chapter uh, 20, verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark unto the sepulchre. 
and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. You know, I like John because he just gets right to the point. When you read uh, Mary, I mean, when you read uh, Mark and Luke and uh, um, Matthew, they give you a little bit about Mary Magdalene on the way there. They're talking about how they're going to move the stone. You know, each one of them gives you a little bit additional information, but John gets right to the point here. Second verse. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre. And now, and, and know we were, <clears throat> I'm sorry, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulchre. And they, so they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulchre. And in uh, verse five, and he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloth lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulchre and seeing the linen cloth lie and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but wrapped together in a place by itself. We'll talk about that more a little bit later on. For um, then went he also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. For he, for as yet they knew not the uh, scripture that he must rise again from dead. So they weren't remembering at this time about, he had been teaching it and preaching it and telling them that he would rise again. But at this moment, um, you know, one of them I believe was thinking that it was the first one in and then um, we'll get into that a little bit. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. So first I want to tell you that when I, life is, a lot of emotions, a lot of ups and downs. And I've often thought about when people said, I read this book, it carried me through this, you know, it, uh, fear or this love or this understanding or this care or this whatever. You know, they, they get something out of a book and we as humans go through different emotions, ups, downs, fears, all kinds of stuff. Well, when you really think about it, now think about it, God put this in my heart this week. When I got to thinking about the cross and, the, and, and, and what Jesus went through to, at, a, at the cross, it took me through all this. Think about this. We've been thinking about it. And some of this may have gone through. I'm sure it went through your mind. You know, it took us through a lot. took me through a lot of emotions. You know, it, it took me, first of all, you know, through the pain that he went through and how we go through pain. It, you know, I, I thought about the love, unbelievable love that he had. I had sadness in my heart. I, I thought about, God, why did they keep doing this? Why did they beat him so brutally? Why did they do this? And God told us in his word why he did, they did that because he died for the worst of the worst. So he went through the worst. We talked about some of that, but for me, it took me through these motions. In fact, there was a little bit there where I got almost mad at some of these leaders, these religious leaders. Brother Pharaoh, I was getting a little upset. Like, why did they treat? They're supposed to be the, the leaders. But, but it took me through also getting a little mad. But, you know, God would always bring my heart back 
to understanding why I did. So I went through a lot of things. And, and so the cross is very important and why he died for us, all those things that we go through. When you really, hallelujah, when you let the word of God sink into your heart, you will feel what God wants you to feel. He will take you places that you never probably thought about in the past. So the cross took me to some very special places. And I said that to say tonight, just starting out in the resurrection, you know, I'm moving away from the sadness and the excitement from that standpoint of what Jesus was dying for to a whole new uh, uh, set of emotions. I'm now thinking about heaven. You know, Jesus was resurrected to go to heaven to sit with his Father, and he tells me in his word, he's preparing a place for me and for you. Hallelujah. He is preparing a place for us. So the resurrection is very important. In fact, in my mind, in my heart today, is the most important event that ever happened in the world, in the history. Think about it. He didn't only resurrect his spirit as most, you know, as we will, our spirit will be resurrected. Our body will go back to dust. His body was a resurrected. His father took him completely home. Hallelujah. I'm getting way above, ahead of myself. Uh, I wanted to tell you, this resurrection, when you really let it sink into your heart and into your mind, there's an understanding about the Trinity that we need to understand about this resurrection that I'm going to present. came into my heart. I'm telling you, this is resurrection. Lord, help me put it out there the way you've given it to me. It is so powerful, powerful, powerful. Hallelujah. The resurrection is the most important event in my mind in history. Now, that's not saying anything that we've studied before. It's very, very important. It all is about the love. But think about now where we're going, where we're all going. Jesus has gone home, and we're going to be there. And it was, predict, it was uh, prophesied again about the Messiah, uh, you know, having victory. That's the word I was looking a while ago. We get victory over death when we go to heaven. Victory over this world. Hallelujah. It's the victory that we want to go after. It's the victory that we should be working every day and trying to do the thing that God wants us to do. It's about the victory. Hallelujah. And seeing other people receive the victory. It's about others being blessed. Others seeing the light. Hallelujah. The Messiah had victory as also Isaiah prophesied. The resurrection was... Now think about this. I read this from John Vernon McGee. One, one guy that I, I like a lot, he says some things I may disagree with him once in a while, but overall, this I really like. This is... Uh, he wrote that this was the most important event a, a writer could ever write about. He says, we cannot make too much of the death of Christ. Y'all understand what he's saying there? We cannot make, no words, we can't preach it enough, we can't sing it enough, we can't teach it enough about the death of Christ. But listen to what he says. But we can make too little of the resurrection of Christ. We can make too little. Now he goes on to Help us understand what he's meaning. He's saying that what is happening today and has been happening for a long time, theology books, the so-called smart people, hymns in the church, sermons, 
all seem to vote, and it's okay. We need to vote more time, he's saying. But think about this. How many times, he says, too often the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not observed or talked about. But one time a year. Do y'all know when that is? Easter. What a powerful statement. We, you know, it's okay, and we need the preaching and teaching on the cross. But he's saying, let's don't forget, and we need to put more emphasis, all of us, on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a powerful meaning. Just as a reminder, let's start talking a little bit about what's going on here and what's leading up to this, that's leading to our scriptures tonight. When you read in Matthew 27, 62 uh, through 66, Calabas and the Jewish leaders were afraid of, the Jew, uh, of uh, Jesus' disciples. Why were they afraid of the disciples? First of all, they followed Jesus, and they knew Jesus had power. He, brought, he, brought, he resurrected, uh, you know, uh, from, uh, I'm trying to can't think of his name from the dead now. Lazarus. Uh, Thank you, Jesus. He, he brought that, so, and they knew about all this stuff, and all the miracles, the lame to walk, you know, and, and, and those to see, uh, and all those kind of stuff. But also, uh, the Jewish leaders thought disciples would come and steal the body out of the tomb and, uh, you know, take it. And so people would think that Jesus had resurrected. Well, they had no idea that God was in control of everything. But what they did is they went to Pilate again, good old Governor Pilate, and um, so, uh, Matthew tells us about this, and granted their request. They requested that they be Roman, these fearless, uh, strong Roman guards to stand in front of the tomb and also to pull a seal around it and to guard it for at least three days. I find that interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll read that a little bit later from one, uh, Matthew, Mark, or Luke. I can't remember which one now, but where they said that, um, you know, they, they actually requested for three days. Now, I wonder why they requested for three days. What did Jesus say he was going to do? He was going to resur be resurrected on the third day. He didn't say it exactly like that, but he, he said he would, he would um, uh, you know, go back to heaven uh, to his father. So the uh, Jewish leaders appealed and won that appeal. But when the time came for Jesus to leave that tomb and ascend to heaven, what a great day. What a, what, what a great moment that was. I wrote down the word dazzling display of divine powers. Listen to what happened. According to Matthew 28, 2 and 3, there was a violent earthquake that morning. And for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven went to the tomb. Now, John don't tell us all this. That's why I'm saying it's very important for all of us to read Matthew, Mark, and Luke as we're going through and getting all the information. But the seal was removed, and not only did the stone roll away, but, and, and there's a specific reason why he did this, but the angel sat upon the throne, uh, upon the stone that was rolled away. We'll talk about that a little bit. So, um, what... Uh, these other disciples, believe me, they will help us understand everything. So when Matthew continues in 28 and 2 and 3, he tells us that the angel that appeared was like lightning, and very quick, and was white as snow. God sent an angel to take care of some little problems that Pilate and the, the, the Sanhedrin court had put in front of them, a seal and a stone and guards. Little problems for this angel. On resurrection morning, listen to what happens. Listen to what Matthew 
Listen to what Matthew says in 28 and 4. He said the guards were scared to death. They were so frightened. These are my words. And, but you can read it in 28 and 4. They actually started shaking uncontrollable. And the word shook. When I looked up what is translated from Greek, Greek uh, basically a root word, in, in, and the word I believe is C-O, a C-N-O, S-E-I-O. What it says is that the fear that they saw, whatever scared them, paralyzed them. This is saying that they paralyzed to a point that they were standing and trembling and they began to rock and they back and forth and then they fell as they were dead. It just paralyzed them. It paralyzed them. So think about this. The Sanhedrin leaders had conspired with Rome to put these huge, big, killing men in front of that stone thinking that that somehow is going to stop God. Uh, it may have stopped the, the disciples, but it certainly won't going to stop God. But the angel of God, God was not intimidated by what they did. It, did, it was just a little blimp on the radar is all it was. He paralyzed the soldiers, broke the seal, and removed the stone. This angel dis demonstrated exactly how powerful God is, you know, and, had, and, and that nobody had power over that grave but God. Nobody. The Romans' mighty army could, was nothing, was absolutely nothing compared to our God. You know, the, the message to me, the, the power of God, these stones, these things that get in front of us, us in our life, the things that roll in front of us and then put in front of us, those mountains that sometimes we feel like we have to climb, we're down in the valley. I think about, I went through a whole lot of thoughts during this time and I'm thinking, Lord, there's none of it. it means nothing if we just put our faith and trust in you. We have to look to you. These stones in our life, these seals, in our, these things that the devil, and quite honestly, I, I, I agree with Pastor what he said, we sometimes give the devil too much credit. Sometimes we put things in front of us because we don't make good decisions. We make bad decisions. So it's, it's, uh, God can remove all of that. Another great miracle. I briefly mentioned it a while ago. And an important fact, because Paul tells us why it's an important fact, is that the spirit of Jesus is not the only thing that ascended. His body ascended. It tells us that that was going to happen in Acts uh, 2 and 27 and also 16, uh, Psalm 16 and 10. You know, I think about the Heavenly Father and His Son in that tomb. And, and then I found where King David and, and Isaiah also prophesied this. That, you know, God was not going to let His Son sit there and rot. He was not going to let His Son lay there in corruption. You know, this earth is corrupted. And by, by the way, the Bible tells us that in Acts 2 and 27. Uh, it tells us that the body was not going to decay and corrupt. That's another ra reason that God raised the body. He was not going to... You know, God, His Son had done everything He asked Him to do. And now God was taken back as a whole. That's the way I looked at it. What a wonderful thought. You know, another question that came uh, to my mind, when you read John, and why it's so important to read the whole Bible, is some people may ask, who raised Jesus from the dead? 
Who raised Jesus from the dead? Most people are going to say God. Well, it's very important to understand this. Why for us to understand it? Because if you read in John 10, 10 and 18, it says, Jesus said his life was his own. He laid it down and he took it up again. If you looked at it from that perspective, yes, Jesus had the power to raise himself. But listen, the whole Bible. The Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians 1 and 1, he wrote to the believers at Galatia that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. And then Paul tells us also in Romans 8 and 11, Paul wrote to the Christians in Romans, listen, the Spirit raised. Hallelujah! The Spirit raised him from the dead. What it tells me is there is a trinity. And they are all together. They are all working together. They all were in one accord, you know, doing what God wanted them to do. It took all of them. But people, that's a very powerful understanding and knowledge. We must know, and what Paul, I'm going to read just a minute what Paul's telling us about that. We have to have the knowledge there is a trinity. There, we have to have understanding that the Spirit lives within us. We have to accept the Spirit, which is what God wanted us to do. The Father holds resurrection power, the Son holds resurrection power, and the Spirit holds resurrection power. I don't know if I'm making this clear or not, and I know I'm going fast, but what the Bible tells us, all who confess, Paul says in Romans 8 and 11, Paul explains the significance of Jesus' resurrection. He says, for all who confess and repent the, uh, their sins and accept Jesus as their son. And listen, if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised, uh, raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, bodies through his spirit who lives in you. It's very important we understand the Trinity. The Spirit is God. That is what God wants us to have inside of us. And the only way we can have the Spirit of God living in us is accepting Jesus Christ, hallelujah, resurrected. He died on the cross. He went back to heaven to prepare a place for us. Hallelujah. That is the importance Paul's telling us. Also, Paul tells us in Colossians 3, 3 and 4, tells us that since you have been raised with Christ when you accept Him. Set your hearts on the things above. This is important for us going forward. Set your hearts on things uh, from above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the earthly things. Hallelujah. You know, I I'm thinking about what was written in Colossians the writer Paul knew how important it was for us that once the Spirit started living in us and guiding us, that we keep our eyes focused on heaven. Because this earth will distract us very quickly if we allow it. Jesus' resurrection means exactly uh, as he said it did. And that is, he was resurrected in the body and spirit and went to heaven and living there now with his Father. And he's wanting every one of us to accept him. All we need to do is allow the Spirit to live within us. So looking at the first uh, verse, 
in chapter 20, the Lord Jesus has already, when Mary walks up to the grave, uh, uh, Mary, uh, when Mary walks up to the grave, Jesus has already uh, left the grave. The Apostle Paul's account of Jesus' resurrection begins with Mary Magdalene's uh, visit to the grave on that third day and, 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 and uh, 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 when she saw the stone arose, she immediately did something as it tells us in verse 2. She went to Simon Peter. You know, some of the writers uh, say it's pretty obvious that Simon Peter was kind of like the leader of the pack because that seems to be the first one's name that comes up. But the first thing she said, I thought about this from my heart, is the first thing that she said is they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. You know, I, again, the God tells us, you know, when we read his word, and, and he, t he was there teaching those folks over and over and over again what exactly what was going to happen, but it just didn't seem to sink in. We have to let it sink in. We have to understand about the resurrection because first thing she started saying is somebody has taken the body. Somebody has taken it, and we don't know where it's at. You know why she automatically thought that? Uh, it's because of uh, we think the same way. I, the word came into my heart about mistrust. There's so many things around us that we don't trust. We 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 have to build a trust with with uh, you know uh, with uh, this world, and that it's very hard to do because there's not many things that we can trust. So automatically, she knew that. The Sanhedrin court and, and it just about the Jewish nation was against Jesus. So there was a lot of mistrust there. And the mistrust um, uh, then was mainly because the, Jewish, um, because the Jewish leaders thought, as I said, that the disciples had a plan to go take his body. So she knew that didn't happen. And, uh, you know, they wanted to fake the resurrection. But also the disciples and she was thinking that the Jewish leaders would try to... Uh, take and remove the body and hide it somewhere. How, I, this was one person's perspective. I thought, now this is pretty good. That's probably one of the things that uh, they were concerned about is if they hid the body, but they did not take the body. As I start to wrap up a little bit tonight and talk about what's coming up next week, uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but when you really read, again, all four, and that's let me, if you want to write this down, but Matthew 28, chapter 28, Mark chapter 16, and Luke 24. That's the three chapters, and it's next to the last chapter or the last chapter of each one of those books, and it's about the resurrection. But next week, I don't know if you've, you know, this is some stuff that I learned. I never thought about there was evidence inside the tomb that proved that his body was not taken by somebody. There's evidence in that tomb, according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four. We're going to discuss five things next week that absolutely confirm that Jesus was resurrected. Um, I'll tell you about one of them right now. How many really remember or ever captured in, in your heart that inside that tomb, the piece of linen that was uh, uh, a cloth, that was wrapped around his head was neatly folded and placed in the tomb. One of our uh, gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, can't remember when, which one exactly, but we'll read it next week, actually describes it. Now, I'll go ahead and give you a little insight. How many people that would be in a hurry to steal a body would leave a wrapped up, folded 
that was around his head on a, in the tomb. Think about that. When you start putting logic to this, and I think that was a, intentional, I believe it was intentional done for a reason, and it's to prove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we'll talk about that and many other things next week. Would you stand with me? I think this is a good spot to kind of stop for tonight, and then we'll continue next week. You know, I think about, again, the cross, how it took me many places and taught me many things, and the crucifixion and all the things that went on there. Uh, I'm, I'm, but I'm, let's open up our minds, our hearts, and read uh, and study uh, the resurrection. It's very important, very powerful, and it's talked about too little. And I believe that. It's really talked about too little how important the resurrection is. I, I actually planned, it's got captured me so uh, deeply is I'm actually now ser uh, searching for some books uh, on it. I, I, I talked to my uh, friend up at the um, um, Dr. Um, Wood and asked him for some information. He, he's recommending one book because I, I really think the resurrection itself ought to be taught more and, and learned about more and, and, and the significance of the resurrection. And I'm going to do my best as we go through these 20 or so verses. There's a lot, not a lot there, but we're going to wrap up, uh, John. And I have decided uh, um, the next book uh, that we're going to go through is going to be Acts. I want to start from the very first. Uh, you know, it, it's a really a good lead-in if you think about from the crucifixion and the resurrection, and now too when Christ comes back to the upper room. So we'll, we'll, I think it's a good lead-in, and we'll, we'll continue there. All righty. And I'm, I'm um, thinking about, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. But anyway, let's thank God for all that he has blessed us with this week, and thank God. I, I, I'm so excited about Randy. I plan to call him tomorrow and talk to uh, him or his wife, whichever one answers. But it uh, sounds like Randy's doing pretty good. I'd love to uh, uh, talk to him a little bit. And uh, I, uh, I love him dearly. He's a good friend. He has been a good friend for most of my life and actually a relative to Laurie, I think. He's a cousin or something. But uh, anyway, so thank God for him and his family, and we love him. So uh, all hearts and minds clear. We'll close tonight. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, dear Jesus. You've been watching the Pine Level Pentecostal Ordinance Church. The Pine Level Pentecostal Ordinance Church is located on 112 East Blanche Street. We welcome you to come and join us in worship every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m., every Sunday night at 6 p.m., and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Don't forget, if you can't join us in person, you can always join us via the internet through the website at pinelevelphc.org. You can watch our services, check out upcoming events, and lots more there at the website. You can also check out our app through Google Play or iOS App Store. Download the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church app. It's free to use, free to download. You can watch our services live or on demand. Check out other things about the church, even donate to the church through the link. If you have a Facebook account, go to facebook.com forward slash Pine Level PHC. Get notifications when we go live. Check out pictures and other upcoming events about our church. Just like our Facebook page, that's all you have to do. Also, YouTube is available for the YouTube subscribers. Search YouTube.
YouTube for Pine Level PH Church. Subscribe to our channel, get notifications when we go live, and you can watch our services live or on demand. Don't forget, if you can't watch us, maybe you want to listen. Search for our podcast through your favorite podcast provider and listen to the services anywhere in the world. Don't forget about our new radio station. Go to our website or app for the quick link. And you can also just simply type in pinelevelphc.org forward slash radio. Radio stations playing good gospel music 24-7. Also, lots other programming is available for your enjoyment. So if you want to check that out, do so anytime and listen with friends around the world. For everyone here at the Pine Level Pentecost Witness Church, I'm Joey Perry. We hope to see you soon here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church.